You're listening to the Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. The inside word on all things travel. Buckle up as we explore New Zealand, take you abroad, dive into virtual travel, and inspire your bucket list with spectacular tips and tricks. We've got the world covered. Tune in on Apple's podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Be sure to like and share our podcast so everyone can enjoy the inside word on all things travel. And now, here's your host from Christchurch, New Zealand, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. G'day there, welcome aboard another fresh episode of Kiwi Tripsters direct to you from New Zealand. I'm Chris Lynch. And I'm Mike Yardley. Great to be with you. It is. And we thought we would take a look in this episode at some of New Zealand's finest historic pubs. We're talking about the roadside inns, you know, the ones that have been the part of the New Zealand landscape since the early days as a nation. But these are the ones that you can stay perhaps the night in. So if you had a few more too many cheeky beers, then perhaps you want to stay the night or just to recuperate and relax. And uh, Mike, I'm giving you've done this a few times in your life. <laughs> well, I've always been very responsible after a few, Chris. Indeed. Uh, So yeah, these historic pubs are hospitality charmers that are scattered across the country, quite often in back of beyond locations, but they are guaranteed to, uh, to charm your pants off, Chris. They will, and they have, particularly some of the ones on the West Coast that I've been to in my time. So whether you're looking for a tasty weekend or a few cheeky nuggets to add along that longer uh, road trip, mm. uh, what we're about to talk to you about are some fantastic ideas. We will cruise through the South Island uh, shortly, but uh, Mike, let's start with the North. Yeah, I think right up the top in Russell and the Bay of Islands, one of the best ways you could start a holiday is to wake up and gaze out at Russell's Pahutakawa-fringed shoreline from the Duke of Marlborough Hotel. It's an absolute hospitality jewel in the Bay of Islands, and uh, since Level 2 began in New Zealand, overnight guests have been welcomed back. There is so much history to the Duke. It is actually where the first liquor license was granted in New Zealand way back in 1827, and under its previous name... It was known as Johnny Johnston's Grog Shop, which kind of sounds like the sort of shop name from a country western. Um, But if you haven't been to the Duke for a while, they have spent megabucks doing a major revamp in the last 10 years or so. It's just been completed. They spent $12 million refurbishing the Duke of Marlborough Hotel. Mm. Um, And for the time being, overnight accommodation is available from Wednesday to Sunday, the hotel is closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. And these are really the type of places that we would highly recommend you go check out, go stay. They're the sort of place that perhaps you wouldn't even know yeah. has that overnight accommodation, but they sure. do rely mm-hmm. on not just uh, the beers and the yeah. food, but you know the accommodation. So Absolutely. check it out. It's a beautiful spot. Let's head to Napier, Mike. Yeah, well, in Napier, lording over the Esplanade, the Art Deco Masonic Hotel, and I think this is the sort of hotel that embodies a city's soul. And the reason I say that is there has been a Masonic Hotel on the site uh, since 1861. What you see there today, the Art Deco Masonic Hotel, is very much... Uh, enmeshed in the whole 1931 earthquake story of Napier. So this hotel you see today rose up from the ashes of that earthquake. And like so much more of Napier's city centre, it's the Art Deco design that really um, 
stimulates people when they, you know, they see the hotel and the way that it's been so beautifully furnished. And it's essentially unchanged since it was built in the 1930s. They've got really cool themed rooms that celebrate previous guests. You can stay in the royal suite where the queen bedded down with the duke um, during her coronation tour. Uh, They've got the Jean Basson suite. (laughs) And uh, a real favourite is the Anna Pavlova suite, which is dedicated in memory of the Russian ballerina who stayed in-house many years ago. And all of the rooms explode with art deco flair and colour. It's interesting you talk about theme rooms. This really, it does tend to be an an off-the-beaten-track kind of rural New Zealand thing, doesn't it? There are a lot of these smaller hotel pubs that have these themed rooms. And that first came into my consciousness uh, when I was uh, living in Greymouth. Mm -hmm. And all the motels and B&Bs, they've all got themed rooms. They do. You don't don't see that in a city centre, but anyway. No, that's very true. uh, What about other historic pubs, the Wairarapa? I mean, you're spoiled for choice in this region. You certainly are. Martinborough is ready-made for a mini-break and uh, right in the heart of Martinborough, overlooking uh, the square is the Grand Old Martinborough Hotel, uh, which is a real showpiece. And they've got superb New Zealand cuisine dining uh, in the on-site restaurant Union Square Bistro. Then just up the road, uh, widened up as Artisan Honeypot of Greytown. The whole township really is just character overload. Um, they've got two fabulous historic pubs there. The gorgeous old Greytown Hotel, which has never been moved. It's never burned down and has never changed its name since going up in 1860. And also on the main street, the spectacular White Swan Hotel. It's got the most incredible backstory because even though it looks like a really old historic wooden hotel, it actually began life as the Railways Administration Block in Lower Hutt, and it became surplus to requirements from New Zealand Railways. So what uh, became of it was this long wooden building was cut up into six pieces and hauled over the Rimataka Ranges uh, to Greytown by truck en route one of these six pieces actually fell off the truck and uh, nearly uh, was destroyed down a ravine off the main road. They actually had to shut down the Rimataka Hill Road for eight hours to retrieve it. <laughs> but they managed to do so. And then these six pieces of building were put back together into a very convivial, very stylish hotel on the main street of Greytown. Okay, interesting story, but but yeah. weird. <laughs> we don't want to be uh, uh, you know acknowledging everything that's going to burn down or, or hasn't. That's true. Uh, any north, any other North Island suggestions, Mike? Uh, well, if you're going to Rotorua, Princess Gate Hotel is a heart stealer yeah. there, and if you're looking for. Um, a real heartland North Island experience. I reckon uh, the pick would be the Whangamomona Hotel, which is in the self-proclaimed Republic of Whangamomona. Uh, you can even get your passport stamped at the hotel. And if you're thinking, where on earth is Whangamomona? If you drive on Taranaki's Forgotten World Highway, it essentially starts from Stratford in Taranaki. Oh. Fabulous sort of Forest Road, Whangamomona is uh, the township you come to. And it's a legendary watering watering hole. It is so remote. It's over a century old. Um, And uh, just a little quirky side note, uh, given we're living in the age of COVID, way back uh, in the 1918 pandemic, the Spanish flu pandemic, 
This is the hotel that actually provided their chillers as makeshift mortuaries uh, during the 1918 pandemic. So a lot of Taranaki folk who died in that flu pandemic were in this mortuary uh, at the hotel. Thankfully, no encore performance has been required. Let's head south now, my favourite part of uh, New Zealand, and look at the mainland's finest historic pubs where you can stay at. How about some of those West Coast specimens, Mike? Well, if affordable boutique luxury is your thing, and it tends to be for Chris Lynch, uh, you can go past the Theatre Royal Hotel in Kumada. You'll probably know Kumada, you know, as the starting line for the coast-to-coast race. Uh, that hotel, though, has so much history, a mm. lot of it, um, of course, stemming from the West Coast Gold Rush. I love, once again, we're talking themed rooms. They've got the Barbara Weldon Room, um, and this is a cracker because during the restoration of the hotel – not that long ago, workers discovered sawdust in the wall linings. It was like a primitive form of soundproofing. And the reason they needed this, Chris, is because back in the day, they had dancing girls who were employed to dance with the miners, and sometimes the dancing sort of went to a horizontal level. Hence, Barbara Weldon was one of the most... um, in-demand dancers, shall we say. That's a nice way um, to say it. Yeah. Uh, Richard John Seddon himself was a regular. Um, Kamada was his birthplace, but he would regularly go to the Theatre Royal Hotel, uh, taking to the stage to sing. But yeah, you've got all of these magnificently themed rooms. You can stay in the Seddon suite. And across the road from the hotel, they've even got more accommodation options. They purchased the old Bank of New Zealand in Kamada. So you can now bed down for the night in the bank. We mentioned actually an early episode too, I think it was the last one, wasn't it? The it was. Empire Hotel in Ross. Yes, this is a really good, nuggety, rustic West Coast pub that you can stay the night in. History galore, um, and uh, you've got that sort of the whiff of wood smoke uh, emanating from the pub. Enjoy that over a pint, some fresh white bait fritters. And um, all around the hotel's walls in the pub, They've just got so much memorabilia uh, from the the gold mining days, lots of knickknacks, lots of vintage stuff, and um, the in-house accommodation is great value. Similarly, the f- uh, what is known as formerly the Black Ball Hilton. Now, has it changed its name? Because I went there once, got a yes. couple of photos with my mother, Yes, but it wasn't kind of operational. It was just a big kind of attraction with nothing there. Well, they, of course created a huge storm um, some years ago when they were known as the Black Ball Hilton and Hilton sued them uh, for using the Hilton name. because they need the money, don't they? Indeed. So cleverly, they've got around that intellectual property right issue by renaming themselves formerly the Black Ball Hilton. (laughs) Um, It is 110 years old this year. And the pub has such a long and fascinating history. It's only about 29k from Greymouth. Uh, and Blackball, of course, was mm. the town that gave birth to the Labour Party. Inside the pub, you've just got history galore lining its walls, including a magnificent tribute to uh, the most recent um, mining disaster on the West Coast at Pike. Um, And they've got fabulous pub fare. In fact, during uh, the lockdown in New Zealand with COVID, uh, when we hit level three, this pub actually made a fresh page 
uh, of Blackball history by opening up the town's first ever drive through So you can get drive through meals. It doesn't surprise me. Isn't this that is, cool? This, I mean, this is what the people are like. They, they yeah. just do things differently, and they can, and they will. Absolutely. Good on them. Uh, let's head further south. Uh, the central Otago area, mm. one of the oh, – it's just a beautiful region of New Zealand. It really is. Well, if you've ever done the Otago Central Rail Trail, you will know that there are so many wonderful old-time – pubs that you can stay the night at. But I just thought I'd mention a couple that really stand out for me. The Vulcan Hotel in St. Bathans is a wee treasure and it's a favourite for paranormal investigators. I was there a couple of years ago and there are no shortage of reported ghost sightings at St. Bathans. For starters, there are some locals who claim you can see old gold miners rising up from the waters of Blue Lake. Edson Bethens. Chris is rolling his eyes in derision. Mike. Yes. Do you believe in ghosts? I'm open-minded, Chris. Mm. Um, and at room one mm-hmm. <laughs> at the Vulcan Hotel in St. Bethens, room one is apparently home to the Rose. And the Rose is a ghost um, who apparently likes to grab male guests. Now, she was strangled in the pub, Rose, back in 1880. Mm. And... Um, a number of guests over the years vow and declare they feel as if something is holding them down at night when they stay in room one. So you never know your luck, Chris. <laughs> Does that suggest Rose is a little bit, you know, amorous? Perhaps? She's quite a raunchy Rose, I yeah, think. Good yeah. on her. Good on her. Uh, what else you got for me? There's also the, the Danzies Pass Coach Inn. I haven't, I haven't been here. You've got to go there, Chris, because I reckon for back of beyond last frontier atmospherics, the Dancy's Pass Cochin is unbeatable. It's just reopened for guests in New Zealand in Level 2. You've got all of that alpine drama wrapped around you uh, via the Kakanui Mountains. And this hotel, which was first built in 1862, still looks absolutely lost in time. Open wood fires, wooden floors, exposed beams. Um, the accommodations are really elegantly finished with, you know, brass fittings and copper piping and so forth. Um, it is just an alpine treasure. And um, they're offering some great winter deals, by the way. Okay. Um, one we have to go, we have to discuss is probably the Cadrona Hotel. Yeah. And this is just... So famous mm, uh, because it actually looks amazing from the outside. I am sure so many visitors to New Zealand, you know, the internationals, when they have been driving, say, between Queenstown and Wanaka on the Crown Range, when they stumble across this hotel, I am sure they must feel as if they've walked into a movie set mm. because its looks are of those of a film set, mm. the Cadrona Hotel. It's an 1860s sweetheart. I would probably say it's my favourite historic pub in New Zealand. And they have fabulous accommodation. The in-house dining is just superb. And one thing you must try, frickles. People love their frickles. Now, these are Canadian-style deep-fried dill pickles. Apparently, they're... Um, their uh, fried chicken is very good too. But yeah, it's just the most fabulous little um, historic hotel. Um, so don't just stop for the photo ops. Stay the night. It's a cracker. Okay. By the way, very quickly, if you want to go even further south, Stewart Island's grand old South Sea Hotel, which Prince Harry stayed at. 
um, just a few years ago. That's now back in action uh, in New Zealand. It's got a ringside view overlooking Half Moon Bay. Um, it's very much a social hub of Stewart Highlands, that pub, so you'll meet some fabulous locals, grizzled fishermen, perky millennials, and retired travellers. Perky millennials? What's a perky millennial? Oh, someone who's very sunny side up, you know, with a positive outlook on life, Chris. Just as well. <laughs> uh, coming up, we, we, we will indulge in some bucket list travel, yes. and we'll hit the roads on Route 66, that's still to come. You're with Kiwi Tripsters. As domestic tourism stirs into life across New Zealand, we can still only dream about international travel for the time being. So how are the big travel operators navigating their way through the COVID pandemic? The Travel Corporation boasts some of the world's biggest travel brands. And Scott Cleaver is the New Zealand General Manager. Scott, great to have you aboard. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Mike. It's really great to speak with you today. Now, for those unacquainted with the Travel Corporation, give us a thumbnail sketch of your brands and your products. Sure. Travel Corporation celebrates its 100th year in 2020. It says uh, foundations, um, obviously, 100 years ago to a, a small fishing village called Paternoster, which is on the, on the coast in South Africa. And it's worked its way through to 2020. It's 42 Brands. It's a privately owned, family-owned company, and and one thing that's probably worth mentioning in the current environment, it's a debt-free business. So all of those brands are owned outright. As you alluded to before, uh, you know the Travel Corporation may not be as, as well known to the New Zealand audience, but certainly the brands that live within it are, namely Contiki, which has roots deep into New Zealand, Trafalgar, uh, Insight Vacations, and also uh, Uniworld River Cruise as well, amongst uh, you know many others. So this may be a stupid question, but how paralyzing has COVID been on your global operations? It's been significant. It literally shut everything down and almost overnight. And so those were trips that were running through March, particularly in Europe. We had trips that were about to start in the U.S., uh, Uniworld uh, was was an operation for those first couple of cruises. Uniworld is our, a, a boutique luxury cruise line that the Travel Corporation owns. So it was significant right from, from day one. Um, fortunately, we were able to, just given the, the network that we have and the people that we have on the ground, we were able to get everybody to airports or wherever they needed to be to be able to get home before the borders closed, and, and we're grateful for that. As I'm sure you've seen in the news and from your own industry reports in the last few weeks, there do seem to be some glimmers of renewed tourism activity starting uh, across Europe. Have any of your tours resumed? No, they haven't. And we don't see that happening for for a little while. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, One is that we need surety that uh, guests are going to be able to enjoy their holiday. And of course, we want to make sure that uh, we're able to operate the trips in a way that that is not just enjoyable, but obviously meets those obligations around their health. That that are you know, they're certainly for people to want to travel, they have to feel that those things are met. So not yet. Uh, we are hopeful. I think realistically, we're still some weeks or, or months away from that happening. There's some encouraging signs that uh, certain destinations that we visit are starting to open up. As I said before, we will do that when we feel that we can provide the type of holiday that people have come to expect from us. So what about for the second half of 2020? What's your pick, Scott? Do you think the entire year will be a write-off or do you see some reason for optimism? 
I, I see some reason for optimism. Again, with those those factors that I just outlined being met, you know, again, we're still in that sort of crystal ball phase, I suppose. But I've been encouraged by some of the things that I've heard recently. We're, what I would say is that we may, may operate later in the year, but we're not in a rush to do that until we can provide the experience that, that people really want and enjoy. And, and much of that comes from their confidence to be able to go out and travel. I have had the pleasure of uh, experiencing your River Cruise product, UniWorld, and I mean, in terms of the battle of public relations and um, gaining fresh confidence uh, from the travelling public, I do personally think that river cruising perhaps is better placed than ocean cruising in, in the short to medium term because, correct me if I'm wrong, there were no reports of COVID outbreaks on river cruises unlike uh, the big boys in ocean cruising. Yeah, and to the best of my knowledge, that's my view as well, Mike, in terms of the people being affected by the virus itself. I, I agree with you completely. I think that river cruising lends itself to that type of holiday where you know, there aren't as many people on board. There are, there's a, obviously open spaces that, that work for them. You're able to get on and off the vessel with frequency as you hit those beautiful little towns and villages that you've experienced. Um, in terms of managing if there were potential you know, health risks, which you know, we certainly don't want to focus on, but we've got to be cognizant of, uh, I, I just think that it's an easier easier opportunity to manage. And you know, New Zealanders have really, really jumped on, on board, literally, in any other kind of um, enthusiasm for river cruising. Um, and I think that will come back fairly quickly. I think they'll enjoy those kind of holidays pretty soon. For sure. Closer to home, Australia and AAT Kings um, went interstate travel and the Trans-Tasman travel bubble actually becomes a reality. Uh, what about guided journeys in Australia? What about AAT Kings? Could that be restarting this summer? Well, we have some AAT Kings trips scheduled for the domestic market within Australia for, for July. And uh, we're, we're hoping to operate those. The great thing is that the number of people that were planning to take those trips hasn't changed. We certainly haven't seen a downturn there. And again, with those determinants of, of health and, and comfort and all the other metrics that, of course, you would need to operate, abiding by government regulations, those trips will, will go ahead. And we're really looking forward to people having um, those experiences. Also, a couple of the other brands that will be known to, to those listening um, to the podcast of Trafalgar and Insight Vacations, Contigi for the 18 to 35 market. Uh, we're going to have trips operating for those brands within Australia as well. So uh, that's, that's really something to look forward to for both the domestic Australia market and once that trans-Tasman bubble takes shape. And, and we think Kiwis will, will be looking forward to that. We uh, we enjoy travelling to Australia. We enjoy the kinds of holidays that are on offer. So, yeah, let, let's get that happening as soon as we can. If you are a betting person, uh, when do you think it will become a reality, the trans-Tasman bubble? I see. You know, I see the same. You know, media reports and and, and kind of government um, announcements as much as anybody else does. But I would have thought that August, possibly September, would be a time for for New Zealanders to be able to head across the ditch, and just as importantly for Australians to be able to to head over here and enjoy what this beautiful country has to offer. Absolutely. We need each other more than perhaps uh, in quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, for many Kiwis, um, if they are setting their sights on uh, seeing more of their own backyard uh, over the next year or so, I understand you are planning some pretty amazing guided journeys with your Insight Vacations and Trafalgar brands. Tell us about that. Can you give us a sneak peek? 
Yeah, I can. And I think that what's what's really interesting Mike, is that there's been commentary that the bulk of people who travel in New Zealand come from overseas and there's a, there's a price point that kind of alienates the, the domestic market. I don't think it's so, so much about price point. What I think it is, it's about the type of experience that an international guest would want versus what a domestic traveller in New Zealand would want. So you're, you're right, you're quite correct. We have AAT Kings trips here. We'll have Contiki trips, Trafalgar and Insight Vacations. Everybody that, that lives in New Zealand will be welcome to join those. But the, there's a slight change in, in focus, a pivot, if you like, to really try to bring those local experiences and for a chance for New Zealanders to meet other Kiwis doing great things, doing sustainable uh, whether it be um, we've got some people in the far north that are growing their own coffee. We've got people in um, South Island who are growing hazelnuts. It's a real chance to get, you know, to be proud of what our country offers and to go and visit people and places that perhaps you wouldn't ordinarily. You may not even be able to find them if you were traveling by yourself. So some really exciting opportunities for people to explore their backyard. And those tours are scheduled to start, what, sort of around October? Yeah, yeah. the first one of those will head out in October. If the Trans-Tasman bubble <clears throat> excuse me, opens a little earlier, then we're absolutely prepared to, to bring those trips forward into September, and that would be, that would be wonderful. But you know, as I've probably illustrated far too many times in the, in the short time we've had together, that we'll only do those when we feel that we can deliver an experience that people will will really enjoy and, and feel as appropriate. So really looking forward to it, a lot to look forward to. Fantastic, Scott. Well, uh, all the very best uh, to all the team at Travel Corporation uh, in these pretty uncharted times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much, Mike. Great to speak with you. You're listening to Kiwi Tripsters. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with yeah. Scott Cleaver. What a fascinating man. Yeah. Let's indulge in some bucket list travel. Uh, you have done the whole Route 66 thing. I'm very, very jealous. Where did you start your adventures? Well, there are a huge amount of miles to do on Route 66. Chris, I reckon it's best done in chunks. So a really good recommendation. The first chunk you should do, I believe, is from Chicago to St. Louis. And this is the start of the Mother Road. It captures the essence of Route 66. It's about six hours of drive time, so it's not onerous. Mm. It is shamelessly touristy, but it gives you a really great taster of retro Americana, which is what Route 66 embodies. And in Illinois, vast stretches of the original road have actually been preserved. So you are driving on the real deal road. And that's what we like to hear. So when you say it's quite touristy, what you're saying, you, tr- you can stop off at every, and there's what, a gift shop in every two meters on the road, or what makes it touristy? <laughs> um, a lot of roadside novelties, a lot yeah. of roadside attractions, a lot of sort of, you know, neon signs that just reek of the 1950s. Is that touristy though, or is that just them? Is that genuinely American, or is it touristy for that reason? Um, well, a lot or of both. Yeah, a lot of the roadside attractions will sort of speak of certain times uh, like the space age in America. For example, after I set off from Chicago, um, a really good uh, town to stop at uh, is Wilmington and it's home to Gemini Giant. So he's this big astronaut, 30 foot tall, um, built of fiberglass, and he towers over the old launching pad 
drive-in diner. So this is very much like a, a monument to the space age uh, in America. It's a selfie stop, really. And then further down the road in, in, in Atlanta, not to be confused with Atlanta, Georgia, mm. uh, you can see Gemini Giant's mate, Tall Paul, uh, clutching a hot dog, a fiberglass hot dog, as you do. Oh, yeah. And so he's another roadside colossus. So that's the sort of, yeah, retro catch I'm talking about. But isn't it interesting, though, as, as I was researching some of your notes, that uh, along the way, it's a must-do attraction is stopping off at some of the classic gas stations, some of these gas stations that remind me of almost Terminator 2. Yeah. <laughs> Those rural kind of areas. Absolutely. Or even Dukes of Hazzard. Um, yeah. So, yeah, two of the best uh, are in the neighbouring towns of Dwight and Odell. They're two little 1930s Texaco stations. They're so quaint. Uh, they're like classic canopied roadhouses and they've got the vintage Bowsers still <laughs> operating. Um, I never knew anything Texaco could be so cute. But what really intrigued me is that all along the route, whether you stop at gas stations or roadside diners, everyone operating these outlets urges you to sign via guest book. It's a very sort of quaint throwback to travelling in the 1960s before, oh. you know, the age of TripAdvisor or Facebook came along. That is interesting. That you, you're right about that. I've travelled through some parts of uh, rural or, or Midwest America, and that's what they love you to sign mm. that regardless, don't they? Absolutely. And I've never, ever read a guest book once in my life. <laughs> what are some of the other popular standout towns for you? I absolutely loved Pontiac, and it's a knockout town, vividly good-looking. It's your quintessential small-town American um, sort of setup with the main street uh, bedecked in giant wall murals that evoke Route 66's glory days. Many of the murals in Pontiac were actually created by a guy called Bob Waldmeyer, and he used to binge trip Route 66 in his V-dub microbus. Now, this was all immortalized in the Cars movie as Fillmore. So if you can think of the car Fillmore in the Cars movie, mm. that is based on Bob's V-dub microbus. Um, Pontiac also has fabulous little museums, awesome diners along the sidewalks, uh, and they've installed miniature classic cars along the sidewalk. I actually managed to fit myself inside one of them. So I was feeling like a 10-year-old child in a go-kart again. It was fabulous. <laughs> and as the name would suggest, Pontiac, yeah, the uh, automobile museum is just superb. I can imagine Springfield, mm. however, is all about Abraham Lincoln, right? Yeah. If you do want to have an overnight stop en route between Chicago and St. Louis, um, Springfield, Illinois is the state capital. And it's a really nice wee town, loaded with history because it's all about Honest Abe in Springfield. Mm. You've got the Holy Trinity of Lincoln in Springfield. You can see his home, his presidential library, and his resting place. You can go and see his tomb. So, yeah, there's wow. a, lot, a lot to devour. Was it very uh, busy when you went to see his tomb? Um, no, not overly, but people will still bring flowers and lay them there. Really? Yeah, absolutely revered, Abe Lincoln, yeah. Now, I have to ask this because I love my food, you know that, and I love, I love the roadside diners. Mm. I love some of those, I just love the food. <laughs> There's no mucking around. It's, it's all it's, calorific. Oh, I know. Yeah. But the, but the weird thing is, did you notice all the waitresses are very thin? <laughs> 
<laughs> on a on a you know based on the American average, do you mean? Or well, yeah, thinner than the average well, American. Well, I'm just saying is, I mean, I want to eat everything that they that's yeah. on the menu. Oh, these wee diners, temptation I don't, I don't know. You know, they must have amazing self control. Yeah. Any standout roadside eateries? Well, I am a sucker like you, Chris, for old school kitchen, <laughs> and there's so many Route 66 diners uh, to size up. Um, the one I really loved was Palm Grill Cafe in Atlanta. Now we're talking. Their gooseberry pie mm-hmm. is just amazing. Um, Nelly's Cafe in Wilmington had the best tasting burgers that I came across on Route yeah. 66, and there were a lot of burgers. Um, I think probably the most memorable diner experience was in Springfield, a Blinkenstown, the Cozy Dog Drive-In. And as the name suggests, this is where you go to get your dogs, the corn dog. And the owner (laughs) of the Cozy Dog Drive-In actually created the corn dog. Um, I suppose they have something to do with all that corn that grows in the fields all around (laughs) you. Quite possibly. Anything else before we head to Missouri? Uh, Well, there is one, one last amazing landmark called the Old Chain of Rocks Bridge. And... It was built to spirit Route 66's across the Mississippi River. But it's such an unusual bridge because it's one mile long, right? So Mm. it's a whopper. And halfway down the bridge, they've got a bend in it, a 30-degree angled bend. It was a major design defect because it caused so many crashes. Because, yeah, I mean, if you just think about it, you know, you're driving Mm. across a bridge. (laughs) You don't expect a big corner to have to be negotiated halfway <laughs> down the bridge. So nowadays, they've retired this bridge for the motorist and it's been turned over. Uh, and replaced so- with a diner. <laughs> exactly. They put a diner <laughs> halfway through. Well done, Chris, and the corn dog. No, it's now the world's longest cycling and pedestrian bridge. A cycling bridge. Mm. Oh, the council here in Christchurch will love it. They would. That is our show. Thank you, Mike. Interesting stuff. And of course, so you can check out Mike's uh, show notes by going to at the Facebook page or kiwitripsters.co.nz. Also, do rate us favourably. Review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. Yes, thank you very much. We'll catch up with you with our fresh episode in a couple of weeks. See you real soon. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.